Welcome to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. For the next hour, Monterey College of Law's Dean Mitchell Winnick and law professor Stephen Wagner will discuss current legal events and public policy issues that are affecting our daily lives. They will not provide individual legal advice. If you have a specific legal problem, you're encouraged to contact a lawyer for legal assistance. If you do not have a lawyer, contact the local bar association or lawyer referral service in your community for recommendations. And now, here's Wagner and Winnick on the law. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Wagner and Winnick on the Law. I am Stan Lewis Obispo College of Law professor and trial attorney Stephen Wagner. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Dean and President of Monterey College of Law, San Luis Obispo College of Law and Kern County College of Law, Mitchell Winnick and host of International Crossroads, Professor Michael Cohen. Now I need to take a breath. <laughs> well done, Stephen. <laughs> Michael, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you both. And that was quite a, quite a mouthful, Stephen, and well done. Michael, Thanks. as we always like to start, Michael, are you, are you in this country? I am. I am in this country, uh, theoretically. I'm in, uh, <laughs> I'm in the 10 square miles that the Constitution of the United States of America carves out for the seat of the capital of the government which it uh, appears is destined to be shut down at the end of the day. <laughs> so. I was going to say, make sure you have a flashlight and a jug of water. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, Michael, crazy can, you, can you see the Potomac? I can, and it is, it is frozen over. It looks, uh, 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 Washington looks a lot like Moscow these days. <laughs> All puns intended. <laughs> okay, wow. very good. Very true. So, Mitch and Michael, today we're going to engage in some reflections and look back, harken back on a lot of our past shows uh, because we're going to take a break, right, Mitch, from our hectic schedule. Um, a little bit of a respite, I would say. I think that's a fair to say. You know, we've been doing this show for three and a half years, Stephen. We've got over 170 episodes that are on both podbean.com and voiceamerica.com business channel. And it's, <clears throat> I gotta say, it's not, I was getting choked up there. It was, uh, it's, it's not easy as, as you both well know, and I'm sure as many of our listeners know, yeah, we, we get up and do an early morning show before we all go to a very hectic day schedule. And we thought it might just be good to take a break and redial a bit, uh, leave on a high note. We're very happy with the show and love having our listeners. But, but, Stephen, you've got a very busy trial schedule. Michael's been traveling the world, as we know, on some very high-profile cases. And, and we're actually looking at possibly opening a fourth law school. And, and Stephen, I just couldn't see you being able to get the fourth one into the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Mitch, I think that's well said. Uh, we do, as they say, have our day jobs. And uh, as I reflect upon the experience of uh, having this great opportunity to really uh, present legal issues in an objective fashion. I, I think I'm probably most proud of the fact that uh, together we have really avoided uh, manufacturing uh, tension and instead really just objectively presented facts and with the assistance of uh, the great wisdom of Professor Michael Cohen have addressed constitutional issues. So. We've really, uh, I think, had a great opportunity to present a number of issues that impact uh, all of us, uh, not only legal professionals, but all those that count on our criminal justice system and the laws of our nation. And uh, those are my thoughts. I don't have the crying towel out, Mitch, at all, because I know <laughs> that we'll probably uh, at, at one point come back, but there's a lot of things we can reflect on, and I'm very, very grateful. And Michael, you've been able to bring us some unique views of the, the relationship with the United States and the international law as well. Yeah, you know, it's just been such a delight, uh, Mitch and Stephen, to do the show with you over these years and to, uh, I'm so grateful that you both fit in the international crossroads segment uh, into into the show. It has been a uh, a marvelous time to be able to have conversations about this changing world and 
the continued ebb and flow and roll of nation states in how we as human beings organize and collect ourselves and progress. I, uh, th there's so much ahead, so much behind, and so much in the moment that it has just been uh, wonderful to be able to share conversations and views with you both from various locations around the world, as we've done the show over the past three years, uh, and all of the things that we have lived through in that period. Uh, just extraordinary. Yeah, Mitch, who knew that we were going to have a roving reporter? Michael chimed in from all kinds of different ports, didn't he? Uh, he did, and as jealous as we were of his travel, I, I really thought it, it brought home to us that the effect of what we read about in the newspaper here, particularly in the area of, of legal news, has far-reaching impact, uh, but also that we don't always realize the impact that it's having, because we do get it through a filter and a lens of, of a very uh, U.S.-centric view. And, and it's been very helpful to, to have Michael report to us from the U.K. and about issues like Brexit and, and the effect of things like blockchain technology that are, these are global issues, not just American issues. And what I'd yeah. love to think too is that I, in so many instances, I feel that the, the two of you in particular, um, and to a certain extent that me, as you dragged me along, uh, <laughs> uh, in a healthy way, I mean, uh, we're ahead of a lot of issues. I, we really have taken on so much, uh, for example, in the world of international trade, to talk about the shifting role of the hegemons from the United States to China, the impacts of treaty withdrawals, the new world order of trade, to see the balance shift uh, or predict it, and then, and then see that shift occur and see news reports and media following it post-show, um, to be ahead of some of the Supreme Court decisions and preview those decisions as they swung one way or the other and to watch the balance of the court uh, uh, not so much change, because frankly it hasn't, but uh, uh, it, it has uh, ebbed and flowed over our time period. And to uh, say, take blockchain uh, that you talked about, Mitch, just now, uh, we talked about blockchain in ways that are really seismic, and uh, it wasn't long after that that we have seen those seismic changes come to fruition. I mean, Bitcoin has literally rendered uh, international currency conversions uh, at least somewhat irrelevant. And even if that somewhat irrelevance is uh, a 5 or 10% irrelevance, I don't think that five years ago people would have said international currency could be a thing of the past, uh, that there could be universal currency on a blockchain in the future. And we're seeing that happen uh, now. Absolutely extraordinary events. I was looking at the top five news feeds of my digital news feed this morning, and virtually every one of them reflects a story that we've done in the past. So, Michael, you're exactly right. I'm sitting here looking at, obviously, we're talking about a federal government shutdown and tax policy we've talked about a number of times. There's another freezing storm, which we've talked about the, the legal rights and cautions related to uh, scams and people taking advantage of people after uh, natural disasters. We've got the president taking off after the freedom of the press. We have Haitians being an effort to block Haitians from temporary visas and digital currency. So there are top five stories and we've done one or more stories on every single one of them over the past several years. So, yeah, You know, Mitch, Michael, what I would offer there on that front is, as I reflect upon a lot of the topics that we've taken on, is the idea of their being uh, vibrant, all of them being very vibrant in nature. And I go back, Mitch, as, as far back as body cameras. You remember when we took that topic on? I put that to my list of the, one of the most interesting things we did multiple stories on. Yeah, it's on my legal pad, too. And, and we, uh, we took that on originally, if you'll recall, with uh, then-chief of police of Salinas, uh, Kelly uh, McMillan. And it was interesting because we were then broadcasting out of Santa Cruz, and 
we had an opportunity to be, I think, really at the forefront of that topic in the sense that the Salinas Police Department was one of the first departments to roll out with the body cameras and go through really sort of the beta phase with those. And that topic has not gone away. It's got all kinds of constitutional implications, Fourth Amendment issues, evidentiary issues. And that's one of the things I've loved about a lot of our topics. They keep coming back and we've got different ways to take them on well and i i made a note that in all fairness back in december of 2015 we did wine law but in may of 2017 we did beer law so <laughs> can't say that we aren't balanced right <laughs> yeah uh but it's uh i think you're exactly right the we probably have been one of the few shows that spent a fair amount of time on the emoluments clause, Michael, and how important that is. And and that hasn't left the news even a little bit, has it? No, no, it, it really hasn't. Uh, you know, I, I think the other thing that the show has brought that, uh, to the broadcast world that I have certainly enjoyed is uh, a different perspective, a different voice on some of these issues. I I recall, as Stephen recounts Santa Cruz uh, uh, broadcast, I do recall a broadcast we did from Santa Cruz on the Syrian refugee crisis uh, years ago, well before people, I think, were uh, tuned in to the number of refugees in the Middle East and North Africa as a result of what is now, you know, arguably a half century of war and displacement. Uh, But we did it from an angle of how to resettle people. Uh, How does that work pragmatically when you get off of some place and you have, you know, made it through war-torn roads to safe shores and you don't speak the language? But what happens then? Uh, You know, just so many ways we have taken on, I think, issues from the legal perspective to show their practical and more concrete impact. Yeah, Michael, that's that's a really good point. And um, um, I thought there, and I recall that, that show, we were taking on the immediate issues, yet peeking ahead and looking at what I call the uh, now what do we do conundrum uh, and, and impacts and implications. And, and that, I think, has a lot to do with this idea of it, uh, the topics that we've taken on just really being living documents is a way that I'd look at it. The topics simply don't go away. They just kind of change complexions. Well, Michael, along those lines, one of the first shows you brought us was what we called Law of the Sea Food. And you brought on an international expert who was talking about issues related to regulating fishing and the effect of climate change. And, and that was a topic that usually doesn't get headlines. And yet it's, it's one of the critical aspects of the human existence here on the planet. So true, Mitch. I, you know, to, to examine uh, the condition of our oceans, uh, which our entire planet and existence literally derive from climate to uh, food chain, as we point out, and to have a peek into the concerns and challenges that scientists are signaling and that we continue to largely ignore as a society, but at least have segments addressing, uh, uh, like so many other topics, it fits right in line with what we just talked about thematically. Uh, a, so, show, a show ahead of the shows. I was going to say, so Stephen, I, you know, I know we usually leave the puns to you, but I can see the headline, from blockchain to food chain. <laughs> <laughs> I made a pun, uh, New Year's resolution on puns. On oh, puns. I'm, oh, I'm no. scaling back. I'm trying to scale back. <laughs> so, so listen, we're coming up on a break. Uh, let's choose a couple topics that we've taken on in the past uh, as we reminisce. Uh, that is what we're doing. We're reflecting upon past shows, and maybe we can discuss how uh, these topics will be around for a long, long time. So if we do make a return to radio, um, the odds of there still being relevance is uh, is astronomical, I would say. You're Look- listening I was going to, Stephen, let me just let, as you go to the wrap-up, remind everybody that all of these programs that we've done can be still found on podbean.com and voiceamerica.com. 
dot-com business uh, even after we take, stop doing our live shows. That's true. Good point, Mitch. You're listening to Wagner and Winnick on the law over Voice America Radio. We are reflecting upon past shows, and we are also joined today by Professor Michael Cohen. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Monterey College of Law is excited to announce that we are opening our third branch law school in Bakersfield. We are Kern County College of Law, and we are an accredited branch of Monterey College of Law, established 44 years ago. We are now accepting applications for students who will begin in summer of 2017. As with our other branches in Monterey and San Luis Obispo, Kern County College of Law offers convenient evening classes Mondays through Thursdays. At Kern County College of Law, we have a tuition rate guarantee program that freezes your tuition rate when you begin and protects you from annual tuition increases. At Kern County College of Law, our faculty is composed of highly esteemed local lawyers and judges. Dream of becoming a lawyer? Do something about it. Call me, Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions of Kern County College of Law, 831-582-4000, extension 1012. For more information, this is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law. We are pleased to welcome Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers and their related Minimus Institute as sponsors of our program. Location shouldn't keep you from the quality surgery you need. MPSC's Destination Surgical Institute features world-class surgeons, concierge assistance, and transparent bundled fees. For more information, go to www.montereysurgerycenter.com. Thank Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers for state-of-the-art outpatient surgery. Our patients get better faster and get back to doing what they love. Out-of-towners and self-insured employers can now benefit from our quality care through our concierge division, Minimus Institute. Call 831-333-4153 or visit minimusinstitute.com to learn about how we're reducing the cost of surgery by 40 to 60% while delivering state-of-the-art care. Many people believe that law firms are pretty much the same. At Shepherd Mullen, we don't. Our law firm believes that what separates us from the pack is not what we do, but how we do it. Aggressive, not conservative. Team players, not one-man bands. Problem solvers, not just legal practitioners. Our clients clearly understand and value this difference. Shepherd Mullen is a full-service Global 100 law firm with more than 750 lawyers. We handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. From our 15 offices in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, we offer global solutions and seamless representation to our clients around the world. I am Michael Cohen, a partner in the Antitrust and International Competition Group at Shepard Mullen. I invite you to find out more about our law firm at shepherdmullen.com. That's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D-M-U-L-L-I-N dot com. Welcome back to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. Today we are reflecting upon past shows because we are going to take a break from our program for a little while. Uh, And I guess we're going to call it a respite, right, Mitch? Because there's always the prospects of a return, correct? I think that's always the case. Uh, and uh, as I said during before the break, a, a reminder that we've got over 170 episodes that go back to 2014, and all of them are still available, Stephen. Uh, podbean.com, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com, and you just type in Wagner and Winnick on the search bar, and that opens up. All previous shows, uh, three years of shows, there's a little bit of an overlap when we were posting both on Podbean and VoiceAmerica.com. And our 77 episodes that are on VoiceAmerica.com business channel will remain there as well. So all of these topics that we're reminiscing about are still there on the VoiceAmerica.com business channel. And will stay there for for at least another year or two. So you can type in, you won't find us on the on the calendar bar because we won't have our usual Thursday uh, time slot, but you can type in our name and boom, Wagner and Winnick on the law will come up and you'll see all of our 77 prior episodes there as well. 
Excellent. So there's a, a shelf life. They'll be available for at least a year. Oh, at, at least a year. And, and Michael, during the break, pointed out that how wonderful this change to Internet radio is because prior to Internet radio, you really didn't have that option of archiving some of these timeless topics. Right, Michael? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think about how wonderful Internet radio is to encapsulating history, I I recall uh, studying ancient history in college. The fact that I recall that at all is amazing uh, at 52 (laughs) years old. Uh, But I do recall it because it was a a hard class for me. And what was so hard about it was that the deductions from historical periods in ancient times are largely that. They're deductions, right? We don't know what happened. We have bits and pieces of stories and writings and uh, archaeologists and historians try to fit together space and time in some way that presents some story, some stories, some continuum. But internet radio and the and and technology today is literally recording human history real time in a way that is so permanent uh, that not even Trump can deny it's occurring. Uh, oh, wait a minute. You know, yes, he can deny it. It's just that there are actual facts that spit to the other side. That's a good point. Let's, let's make it even stronger. He will deny it. <laughs> but we fortunately have human history in some recorded form as it's occurring currently. And I think particularly in the Western nations of Europe and, uh, and America itself, uh, folks like Voice America... Uh, all of the podcasting that's being done independently and through sponsored um, organizations is really momentous. And what it might mean for the future is just so enormous. Uh, uh, and it's uh, just a wonderful thing to, to have in the present, to, to have voices, to be able to talk about issues, to share views and to at least record views of history as they're occurring in this way is uh, uh, really just another unprecedented step in our, our new millennium. So, Stephen, before we get back into topic areas, you know, we did, at the very, very beginning of our show back in 2014, uh, you and I had to decide what will we use for what they call in the industry as bumper music. And so for three and a half years, our listeners have been able to recognize both the comings and goings of our show with bumper music, and since that very first time when I think we described it, we really haven't talked about it. So would you like to give a shout-out on how we picked our bumper music? Yeah, sure, Mitch. Thank you for giving me the honors there. So uh, the bumper music, uh, I think I can take uh, credit for introducing uh, this choice, uh, and then thank you, Mitch, for agreeing. I can't remember exactly how we handled the... uh, the discussion, how we vetted the issue, but our bumper music is uh, David Lindley music, and it's a song called uh, Talk to the Lawyer. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of people, I've heard a number of renditions of that song, and I've had the the pleasure to have seen David Lindley live. David was uh, uh, Jackson Brown's guitar player for a number of years, a very, very talented musician multi-instrumentalist, uh, primarily a string uh, 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 maestro on, on guitar and songwriter. Uh, but that's been our music. And, uh, you know, for those that actually want to hear the entire song, the lyrics are classic. Uh, you know, by rule of law and FCC rules, we can only play uh, a certain segment or amount of time of that music. But uh, that is the song. It is, and if someone were to listen, if you go on YouTube, listen to the whole song, you will find that, similar to what Michael pointed out, that we attempt to sometimes not take ourselves too seriously, even though we take the law very seriously, they will find that that the whole song is somewhat tongue-in-cheek about the effectiveness of using lawyers. Yeah, I think (laughs) it's probably safe to say that uh, it's rather disparaging. Um, lawyers are not cast in the greatest light in that song, uh, but it's been great bumper music. It has <laughs> been. Well, thank you for picking I love, that. I love this. I've never heard this. So you guys are talking about the doll. Don't, don't doll. Right? That's what you're talking about. 
Yeah. And I do have to say, I was driving back from yeah. uh, San Luis Obispo one day, and all of a sudden, the song comes on. And it's the, it's the middle of the day, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, our show's not on that radio station. And then I realized it was actually the song, the full song. I was totally surprised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I could, I don't think I could hear the music without thinking of the two of you. And it always, it's funny because the song has sort of like an odd couple, uh, you know, I don't know, ring to it, if you will. And I always picture in my mind the two of you walking down some street, you know, <laughs> debating, uh, you know, some legal issue. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. You know, Mitch uh, and Michael, I don't know if you remember. Uh, well, back in Santa Cruz, of course, Mitch remembers, our uh, platform was to take calls originally out of Santa Cruz. And then we changed to uh, going to a no-caller format. We also did more than an hour at one point, right, Mitch? Yes, we had a two-hour program. And, and I do have to say, one of the things I, I miss, because it was great fun when we had two hours, was we had a segment on lawyers in the movies and in on television and whether or not we would have an opportunity to talk both historical uh, shows and current shows of to what extent lawyers in the legal system were accurately portrayed and and i i do miss that because that was some some of the most fun and i think maybe informative shows that we did yeah that was a good one we we sort of engaged in some myth busting in that segment. It's exactly right, because I, I must say, as we probably started that segment way back when, I believe, Stephen, you shared with us, and both you and Michael are trial active trial lawyers, that neither one of you had someone jump up in the back row of the courtroom and say, no, I'm the one who did it. Set them free. <laughs> Never happened, right? <laughs> Stephen doesn't want that to happen in his trials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, never seen it happen. I've seen some outbursts before, of course, but none quite like that. Um, I, I have to say, though, that you know there are a lot of shows in the past that do accurately depict some of the things that transpire in actual courtrooms. But for the most part, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of liberties taken, to put it mildly. Well, let me let me put, put one up there for when you talk about liberties. I, I went back to check our very first show back in July of 2014 was on our right for jury duty, and we decided we would just start the program off right then and there with starting about uh, starting with the the reminder that. Many of the legal issues we talk about are about our rights, our privileges, but also our obligations as citizens to understand and uphold the law. And, and I'd like to think that has been a, a consistent theme that we've had, that it's not all about what the law does to us. Uh, this is the law of, of civil society that you, the three of us feel very strongly about that requires vigilance on the side of the citizenry, whether it's elective politics or jury duty or serving as a witness or, or you know, being an honest broker of the facts when you're involved in a, a civil case. That's part and parcel of what makes our system work so well. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Mitch. And, you know, Michael, we... Uh Mitch and I started uh, the segments for this year with New Year, New Laws, and we discussed some of the new laws that have been passed uh, and are now on the books. And uh, another topic that goes hand-in-hand hand with what Mitch just talked about is this idea of notice and awareness of new laws and the obligation of being you know, well-informed of all the laws. And in your practice with international laws, I've got to believe that there is a real challenge in keeping up with uh, things like choice of law and, and venue and jurisdictional issues that are just uh, extremely uh, complex at times. Uh, it's so true, Stephen. I, 
you know, a, a couple of observations. I, uh, as we've done the show over the years, I have, and as I've listened to more shows than I've uh, participated in, I, I do sense that you have all both carried that uh, torch of citizenry forward and obligation. And I, I think there's probably no greater obligation amongst American citizens than uh, voting. Uh, you know, our entire structure of government rests with the right to vote and rests with the quote-unquote people, uh, the body politic, if you will. Um, and if that breaks down, so does the country. Uh, what I have observed, however, is there, there does seem to be a strong difference uh, between American views of participa participating in, uh, you know, a, a country that was truly formed at a revolutionary period where people had rights because people did not have rights uh, uh, before the French Revolution and the American Revolution. They just did not have them. They did not exist. Uh, and, uh, or, or the Americans would say, uh, so with the French, I think, that they existed but uh, not declared. I, either way, I have found in Europe in particular a very strong sense of civic duty in all of these areas. The Europeans tend not to take elections for granted. They tend not to take informed views for granted. They tend to be, in all walks of life, uh, more informed about their politics and their governance than their American counterparts. And I do hope our nation, in its current stage um, and its current state of surprise, uh, will wake up a little and understand that the right to vote is not uh, a privilege, it is an obligation, and when not exercised, you can lose it entirely. And uh, uh, I, 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 I hope even without our voices in the, in the realm, uh, uh, folks are starting to understand. You know, you know, Michael, that obligation reference that you just made makes me think about jury duty. I sure wish that that mantra or mindset would ripen into jury duty also, uh, more obligation than right. I see, see that uh, as a real important important obligation. It is. I've got to stop throwing that envelope away. <laughs> well, the, both of those issues really are almost the goalposts of, of our system, of the, both the criminal law system where it still is in the hands of the community to, to judge the, the guilt or innocence of a, a fellow citizen and on the other side, it is still in the hands of the citizenry as who's going to represent us in the body politic. And, and that's a critical difference from us and much of the rest of the world. Yeah, our Constitution starts, we the people. And if the people don't exercise their rights to participate, uh, then don't complain. But uh, more importantly, we're going to give, give away our nation. All right, Michael, we're going out on a break, so let's pause for just a moment. When we return, we'll continue on our reflections, and I think it's probably appropriate that we weave in some thank yous as we reflect. You're listening to Wagner and Winnick on the Law over Voice America Radio. We're going out on a short break. Please don't go away. <laughs> If you've been considering a new career, now is the perfect time to look into the field of law. Whether you're fresh out of school or just thinking about change, the San Luis Obispo College of Law is now accepting applications for 2000. Did you ever wonder what is the basis of international law? Where would I even go to look up international laws? This is law professor Michael Cohen with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. The United Nations Treaty Collection is an online database that provides information on more than 560 treaties and international legal documents deposited with the United Nations. The database also indicates which countries have signed, ratified, or lodged objections to the treaties. These legal agreements are the basis of international law. They cover topics such as human rights, disarmament, commodities, refugees, the environment, and the law of the sea. Lately, we have heard political candidates making lots of statements about enforcing international law. But if you want to be better informed about the actual laws in place, go to treaties.un.org. That is treaties.un.org. 
The U.S. Constitution has recently created national headlines in the debate about filling the vacancy created by the sudden death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. The president and certain members of Congress are at odds about what the Constitution requires when there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Who is right? And how can everyday citizens be informed enough to know the answer? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. ConstitutionCenter.org is a website published by the National Constitution Center. The center was established by Congress to provide information about the United States Constitution on a nonpartisan basis. If you want information about the Constitution's history and what it means today, go to ConstitutionCenter.org and form your own opinion about the law. Welcome back to Wagner and Winnick on the Law, where we are reflecting upon past shows and uh, sharing with our listeners that we're going to take a break from our program. Uh, It's a respite of sorts. And while we reflect, uh, we are uh, reintroducing some of the topics that we've taken on in the past. We're joined today also by Professor Michael Cohen, who has been a great contributor to our program in the form of International Crossroads, which has allowed us to talk about international law and, again, highlight uh, the Constitution and a lot of Supreme Court cases. Um, and I, I hope I'm not gaslighting here, Michael, but uh, the case out of Colorado, uh, the bakery case, Sure. We did take that case on, and there's been some developments in that case, right? Um, I guess I, you know, have they? I, I have to confess, Stephen. I've been so submerged in practice lately. I uh, haven't been sticking my Supreme Court head up uh, until I start teaching constitutional law again in the fall. But if you'd like to give me the course, Mitch, for the whole year, I'd be happy to follow. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, 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 Mickey may not want to hear that. <laughs> well, uh, but there had they had argument in the case. Had they made have they made ruling, Stephen? No, I don't think they've made a definitive ruling yet. Uh, but there's had additional arguments. Yeah, right. they have had arguments. That case is moving forward, and it's absolutely, uh, you know, it, it it is a it's a fascinating case in 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 all dimensions. Um, most importantly, I think it's a bellwether case for what a protection may or may not mean in uh, the aftermath of Obergefell, which found a fundamental right uh, to to marriage uh, between same-sex couples, and uh, this uh, this case you know, clearly presents sort of the aftermath of that. What does that mean for same-sex couples in the ordinary life of an American going to uh, a merchant in a public arena, and what that merchant uh, can do or not do. I think the merchant, you know, characterizes it all in terms of what they can be forced to do or not to do. But nobody has to make money from the public selling goods. So if you do, uh, you make certain choices, and we'll see how the court comes out. It's uh, also a bellwether case for the new court. We'll really get to see uh, whether any compositional changes have uh, made any distinct differences. So certainly, probably the highlight of this of this term in the. Uh, in, in, in the popular spotlight. Yeah, giving us an opportunity to see how Justice uh, Gorsuch, uh, how he responds. Absolutely. Just, I was saying, that's just one of, it's, it's somewhat amazing to think about it, but that, but that is one of the really, I'd say, seismic constitutional changes that have that have happened during the term of our show here over the last few years that we've had a chance to observe and opine and watch it evolve and now watch it continue to evolve. So the the emergence of same-sex marriage as being a a legal right under the Constitution uh, was something that's been discussed for a long time, but but really came came to a head here in the uh, during the terms that we've we've been discussing it. And, and let me throw another one out that has happened while we've been doing this show, uh, cannabis and the, the challenge of the state versus federal rights of commerce in this area. We talked about the, the potential challenge of cannabis law over two years ago, and now this past January 1st, California is the largest and most influential state to have adult use for cannabis be legal within the state, highly regulated, but legal. 
and yet we have uh, the Attorney General in the United States who uh, continues to wage war on it as a Class One narcotic. So we haven't even seen that one get to the Supreme Court yet, Michael. Yeah, uh, it, you know, Attorney General Sessions is clearly watching the you know thirty-minute black and white movie from the 1930s called Reaper Madness, and I think he's seen it a little too many times. Uh, but, it, you know, the constitutional the pitting of uh, arguably uh, one of, uh, you know, the three or four most important states in the United States of America from an economic and social perspective, uh, just the fact that that state as a whole is pitted uh, as a whole against the United States government. Uh, uh, you know, in or at least the United States executive branch, in all ways, from uh, immigration policy uh, to uh, you know uh, privacy to recreational marijuana use to uh, a whole, whole slew of other things, is re- really to me the more important thematic uh, underpinning to uh, the marijuana skirmish. I, I mean, you generally don't want to be in a situation where the states of the union. Uh, particularly the really driving states of the Union, uh, are literally diametrically, culturally, politically opposed to the federal government as a whole. Uh, and uh, we currently have a battle going on between the executive branch of uh, the United States government and California. President Trump is the first president, I think, in modern history to not visit the state during his first year in term. And I honestly don't think he could. I, I don't think he could make it out of the airport without without the protesters literally ensnaring and encircling him from going anywhere. I mean, they, I, folks outside the state don't understand uh, really how culturally divided California has become from, I would call, the United States east of the Mississippi. You know, Michael, uh, what tripped that wire for you was the discussion of marijuana. And uh, <laughs> a couple of shows back... Uh, we took on the issue of Prop 64, and of course, as a prosecutor uh, in California, I have an interest in seeing what kind of uh, fallout there is, if any, in connection with Prop 64 and uh, recreational use and the sale of recreational marijuana. And we did talk about some of the laws that have also been included, and um, one of them was to uh reduce the per se limit, the blood alcohol content presumptive level uh, of 0.04 for uh, drivers for hire, uh, Uber drivers or Lyft drivers, so as to be consistent with the commercial driver laws. Uh, so we shared with our listeners that although uh, it, it 64 seems to signal you know complete liberalization of a lot of the rules, there have been some other laws passed that have, uh, I think, reached the issue of responsibility also. So I'm watching out cautiously to see what happens. So, Stephen, let me just jump in on that. I don't know if you caught the article yesterday, but there's a a lawyer, uh, not a lawyer, I'm sorry, a doctor in Colorado who went right to the issue that we've had a couple of shows on, which is he believes that he has a breathalyzer for to test cannabis use. And... We talked about the, the challenge of that and actually the, the scientific issues of why that is so difficult to do. But that, that certainly, I'm sure, is being watched carefully by law enforcement. And then there's yeah, the specific absolutely. question, Mitch, of whether or not the impairment is an impairment. It, right. You know, I, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, early uh, analysis in Colorado uh, indicates that they're having trouble showing uh, that uh, uh, recreational uh, marijuana use impairs driving in a way that is similar to alcohol. Uh, in fact, in some ways, people might go slower, but they're more careful. <laughs> yeah, you know, Michael, I think if I can just add one comment there, I think the conundrum or the challenge there is to prove recent use of marijuana. And, right. the, but, you know, it, I think the impairment studies are out there. There's empirical data to support that uh, it it can impact uh, mental and physical abilities to drive safely, but it, it's the recent use issue that I think plagues most uh, most of law enforcement in terms of establishing because of the uh, the amount of time that it remains the THC remains in the system. Uh-huh. 
So along your lines of issues, Michael, that we still think we'll see in the court, uh, you talked about the conflicts between state and federal. I've recently seen the issues of uh, various issues of environmental law come out as well from the designation of parklands, uh, the conflicts between state interests and federal interests, commercial interests and governmental interests, and the uh, reopening of certain drilling rights in what would have other been protected uh, parcels of our country, whether it's parks or offshore. Uh, and again, a total uh, a, a conflict between, certainly from a policy standpoint, between federal and state. And as you have taught us, most of the time those conflicts end up in the court and even in the Supreme Court. Uh, often in the Supreme Court, uh, particularly when a state is asserting or exercising its rights. I mean, I, on our constitutional structure, uh, I always am uh, grateful to be reminded that states' rights are not fictions. They are literally a fundamental cornerstone of our constitutional structure as a safeguard against tyranny. Uh, so to see a president of the United States standing off against the state is both a frightening proposition, because you are seeing, literally, the exercise of that safeguard uh, uh, by the population of a particular uh, body politic uh, against a perceived tyrant, right? Uh, but but more in, in importantly, uh, it's just not something you want to see. You know, it's it's uh, uh, it's good to see the safeguard, but it's a frightening thing to see. Uh, basically, you, you don't want to see the the Constitution have to be exercised in those structural ways. And, uh, you know, these areas that you just talked about, Mitch, uh, offshore drilling, de-designation of parkland, um, uh, opening up uh, uh, vast spaces for commercial pipelines and other uses, are indeed pitting various states against the federal government on both sides of politics, by the way. Uh, not just, you know, sort of the environmental side or the uh, commercial side. It's really uh, quite fascinating. Well, it's a reminder... I don't know which show we talked about it on, but it's a reminder that one of the deep distinctions between the founding of our country and other countries is that in many countries you start with the presumption that the state owns everything and the individuals only end up with those rights that the state or the monarchy grant them. And yet our system is based exactly the opposite. The presumption is always that the right is with the people and the land is with the people and the use is with the people and the government has to prove a, a reason and a right that we've granted them before they can limit those things. And it, it's a critical difference in a worldview of, of why we evolved the way we have and why we're so different than so many other international jurisdictions. Totally agree, Mitch. Totally agree, Michael. Sorry to interrupt, but I do have a giant note on my pad, and it says thank you to people. And I just wanted to reflect back upon uh, some of our early times in the show, and I wanted to acknowledge Bill Graff from uh, one of our former stations. Uh, he is the voice, the intro voice in our program, and board op Jason Struby, who worked so diligently with us on those Saturdays, Mitch, if you'll recall. That's exactly right. And a thank you to Aaron at Voice America, who's been taking care of us so well here in the mornings at the voiceamerica.com business channel. Uh, we will miss working with you, Aaron. Aaron, are you there? Thank you very much. My pleasure, guys. You take care. It's been a great season. Thank you, Aaron. And so, Mitch, Stephen, if I can just say my thanks to both of you. Um, uh, but uh, in the history of some international dimension and a reminder of the important role that the French have played in our own liberties from the Declaration of Rights to General Lafayette in the square across from the White House to the Statue of Freedom atop the Capitol to the Statue of Liberty in New York's harbor. Uh, let us adopt their wise saying uh, to never say goodbye, but to say au revoir. And so for that, I will say see you soon. Not... Uh, uh, see you never. Thanks, Michael. Stephen, thank you. It's been a great three and a half years. And as you've said, it's just a respite. I suspect we'll be back again. Absolutely, Mitch. 
As we sign off today, a reminder that you can continue to hear our shows on podbean.com, Wagner and Winnick on the Law, and the voiceamerica.com business channel for Wagner and Winnick on the Law. Until you hear us again, please remember, if you don't know the law, know a lawyer. I never finished college. I had a baby and it was time for me to do more with my life. I wanted to be an attorney and be able to help people, but I didn't know that I could go to law school without a four-year degree. I decided to go to Monterey College of Law because it's local and I was working full-time and had a child, so quitting work and going to a full-time law school was not really an option for me. Being able to go to school at night and the cost of tuition allowed me to graduate debt-free. Obviously, my income has increased. My schedule is more flexible now and it does allow me to spend more time with my daughter. My name is Brandi Luis and I'm an attorney at law. Did you dream of becoming a lawyer? You should know that you can apply to Monterey College of Law without a bachelor's degree. I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions of Monterey College of Law. We're accepting applications now for our spring start. Dream of becoming a lawyer? Do something about it. Find out how at montereylaw.edu. This is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law. We are pleased to welcome Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers and their related Minimus Institute as sponsors of our program. Location shouldn't keep you from the quality surgery you need. MPSC's Destination Surgical Institute features world-class surgeons, concierge assistance, and transparent bundled fees. For more information, go to www.montereysurgerycenter.com. Thank Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers for state-of-the-art outpatient surgery. Our patients get better faster and get back to doing what they love. Out-of-towners and self-insured employers can now benefit from our quality care through our concierge division, Minimus Institute. Call 831-333-4153 or visit minimusinstitute.com to learn about how we're reducing the cost of surgery by 40 to 60% while delivering state-of-the-art care. Shepard Mullen is a full-service Global 100 law firm with more than 750 lawyers. We handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. From our 15 offices in the United States, Europe, and Asia, we offer global solutions and seamless representation to our clients around the world. You might ask, what is the Shepard Mullen difference? The answer is you. Our clients are our focus. Every Shepherd Mullen attorney and staff member is issued a plaque listing our client service expectations. We regularly give clients first awards to attorneys and staff members who go the extra mile for our clients. Client service is not just words, it is part of our culture and permeates everything we do. I am Michael Cohen, a partner in the Antitrust and International Competition Group at Shepherd Mullen. I invite you to find out more about our law firm at shepherdmullen.com. That's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D-M-U-L-L-I-N dot com.